You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everybody. Happy Tuesday. By the way, if you don't know right now, this coming Friday, we're going to be in Austin. Yeah. If you're not part of that meetup, you should be there with us. Yes. Friday, November 18th, 2022, we're meeting. And you can find all the details on everydaydriver.com under the Adventures tab. If you'd like to join us, there's still time. So come see us. We are at the tail end of our fourth road trip, Cars of the Past road trip to Austin. That's where we're ending. We tried back in February of 2022 to get there. Yeah. We were thwarted by bad weather, so mm-hmm. we are trying again, and that's uh, that's the plan right now. So, last trip for these cars, can't believe it, and uh, then we'll it's amazing. Decide we'll have to decide on some new series for the future. Yes, we got to figure out another road trip series with new road trip cars. These cars aren't going away instantly. Well, granted, your nine twenty eight is staying till the end of time. It is staying, but baby. the three hundred ZX will be around for a little while longer in my life, I'm sure. But but this is the the end of the things we planned for. Let's put it that way: the four <laughs> big road trips, one in each direction of the compass. Right. I'm incredibly excited about the trip, but we hope to see you in Austin. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We've got a good topic Tuesday from Sean G. And then we've got a debate from Justin J. in Kansas City writing about a backwards car seat on a Miata and some Euro trash, apparently. <laughs> okay, well, that'll be fun. All right, jumping into the topic Tuesday from Sean G., he says he loves all the content. Keep it up. He met us at the East Coast meetup, I'm which glad. we uh, we we need to do again sometime. So. We definitely need to go back east. It'll be really fun. Sean, it was great meeting you. He says, "What happens when a driver of a specific car finds themselves outside the norms of the community surrounding that vehicle? Mm. Taking joy in a specific vehicle with others is one thing, but when most of the community utilize the car in a different way from your own than you do." How can an enthusiast navigate through their own hobby when the momentum of the masses pushes in a direction other than your own? Interesting. All right. Now, Sean brought his 1994 Toyota Cresta V back stateside from Japan in 2021, following the end of his active duty service with the Navy. He says it checked many boxes for him. Twin turbo inline six. This is the one JZ GTE mm-hmm. engine. Yep. Five speed manual, rear wheel drive, limited slip, and it's fairly lightweight for a sedan, only 3,100 pounds. I didn't know that. That's impressive that it weighs that little, but that's that era, though. A lot of stuff that now it looks really light. Then it was like, wow, well, yeah. this is a big sedan. Now it's like, wow, that's a lightweight car. Sean says it has room for car seats in the back in addition to a big trunk. And he enjoys it through the hill roads of northern Maryland, and his four-year-old daughter loves going wee when the boost hits while they're bombing down back roads. That's just great. He's lucky to have had the opportunity to return to Japan every few months, and he's brought back various parts for the Cresta with him when he comes back. It's always fun to have people do a double take looking at a car, Mm -hmm. you know, like the 90s U.S. market Camry, and then realize he's driving on the wrong side. And that is a key thing here. It looks like just a, a Camry. It looks like a Camry from the 90s, kind of. If you look it up, it's cooler looking than that. The line's a little more yeah, interesting. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But it is a car of that era. It's just he is right-hand drive. Now, here's where this weird is weird because he said that there's a great community around this car, which, of course, we've, we've found before that there's a really interesting community for any JDM car. If you're driving on the right-hand side, there is a forum for you, my friend. So <laughs> there is true. one for this. He said there's 100 or so owners in the U.S., and he's gotten to know a lot of them, and they're good guys, and people are sourcing parts, and, and it's it's the true community where it's like, oh, did you know that this fits on our car? And you can get you can get that part off of Lexus, and it goes on, and it improves this thing that was a weak point, which is great, except... Most everyone else that has this car has set it up for drifting. 
Wow. And here's Sean, who likes to drive it on back roads in normal ways. He doesn't need extra steering angle. He's not setting it up for, for drift. I have to get the special drift tires. It's none of that. So he has to kind of look at the community with a grain of salt and be like, yeah, that doesn't apply to me because I don't drift the car. <laughs> so interesting. He appreciates all the driving skill and dedication that it takes to modifying it to be a drift car. But he bought the car as a fast backroad burner. It's a Japanese 5 Series with none of the BMW reliability issues. Okay, all right. Plus, Sean gets to jump on a plane every few months, go to Japan, and bring more car parts I want. Do they see you coming? Do the customs folks know you by name? You're here for more parts, are you? Rattle, rattle, rattle. What is it this time? Yeah, yeah. Well, the focus by the community leaves him by the wayside since he has no intention of getting into drifting. Recommendations from the community on parts and vehicle settings and tires all need to be taken with a grain of salt since most people are focused on drifting and getting around track with the back end out. Yeah. So Sean wonders how other enthusiasts deal with similar issues. He imagines there are Miata and Lotus and Porsche owners who don't track or autocross their cars that are more than capable of doing so. Well, sure, of course, that's sure. what they're built to do. Yeah, yeah. While he doesn't see himself as a poser or wasting the capabilities of his car necessarily, he also feels like he's way out on the fringes of the community Enjoying the car and the camaraderie, but he doesn't have the same focus. Mm. He has a postscript here. After flying a lot of large aircraft from both sides of the cockpit in the Navy and now in the reserves and the airlines, he thinks it helps switching from the right-hand drive Cresta to other left-hand drive cars in the mm. family's driveway. Mm. He said the footwork remains the same. You just have to shift and steer with opposite hands, just like swapping hands on the yoke and the thrust levers. That's fascinating. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. So you fly left and right-hand drive just like you drive left and right-hand. <laughs> That's cool. That's amazing. I love it. By the way, he ended up buying a 2022 Kia Sorento plug-in for his wife when they got back stateside, thanks in large part to our review. Well, that's please. cool. That's, that's fantastic. People are buying is, cars. This is why we do the test drives, let's be honest. For sure. Well, Sean, thanks for writing. This is a question we haven't really explored yet, mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. Ultimately, you want to find a community that welcomes all kinds of cars because yeah, it's yeah. so easy to get trapped. And I admit this, as much as I love the Porsche Club of America, the BMW Club of America, and all the other clubs. It's so easy to just look inward, and you're yeah. just focused yeah. on one kind of car. Now, there is good things about doing so. Mm-hmm. You learn a whole lot. You find a lot of good yeah, friends. Yeah. And and like you said, Sean, the community is there. But there's other good cars to drive. Mm-hmm. And when you see a car club that has a variety of cars and a variety of owners, mm. I think that's most of the time when the learning starts. And it's happened on a few of our Utah meetups. Mm. Keys have been swapped. It's now kind of a known thing that yeah, yeah, yeah. people are kind of looking forward to it. It's completely up to the owners. No is a perfectly acceptable answer. If you True. don't want people oh, yeah. to drive your yeah, cars, yeah, sure. you can say no, and that is fine. But in return, you get to drive somebody else's car and get an experience you might have never had. And you get to dive deep into the minutiae. Stuff you don't know about with that make and model in particular true. thing. So I found that really interesting with our meetups that Porsche enthusiasts, BMW enthusiasts are swapping keys for JDM cars and vice versa. And they're discovering things they like about other cars and elements of the driving experience they mm-hmm. like. And so I think that's what you're looking for. And ultimately, like I said, Sean, you're finding, you want to find a community that supports that. But on the other hand, it's hard to do that. It's hard to find right around the yeah, corner yeah, yeah. and take advantage of it instead of it's just your car, your make, your model deep into the. Here's an example the Cayman Registry. Okay. All right. Sure. 
guess what it's all about. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> it not doesn't talking even include else. any other Porsches. That's very funny. It's yeah. just Caymans, and it's it's so deep in the weeds. Now, on one hand, cool because if I've got a specific issue, I bet you I can find it. Sure, yeah. I bet yeah. I can get it addressed, and yeah. somebody else has experienced it. On the other hand, it's like, wow, okay, Caymans. As much as I love them, they're great cars. I like Corvettes. I like, you know, Lotus. What they're sure, doing. Yeah, I yeah. like all kinds of stuff. So, it, it's a matter of. Finding like-minded people, I think, that share that. But like I said, Sean, that can be hard. And the interesting thing about this is the fact that you already talked on it a little bit, Paul, and that is single-make communities are tough because then you get into groupthink or you get into group fight where nobody else is is as cool as we are. And you're dealing with quirky here because you're right-hand drive. You're not right-hand drive obvious sports car. You're right-hand drive specific sedan that Mm -hmm. people like. So there's a lot of oddities here. This speaks exactly to what we're hoping for with this show. You have the car, you drive the car, you love it. Success. We got nothing but support for you there. If you didn't drive it, I'd have questions for you. If it was well, like for sure. the for thing sure. that you polished and you're like, look at this cool thing I brought back from Japan, I'd be like, what are you what are you doing? Those, those are actually the only people in a car community where I'm like, why do you have this car? Why is it again? parked on a pedestal? Yeah. I, I, and I've had that conversation with people where yeah. they're just like, well, I just don't drive it. I'm like, but you do own it, right? Yeah. So that's always the thing that's confusing. What's interesting here is you're, you're in a strange situation where most people that drive it, drive it, if you would, uh, harder than you, trying to break stuff because drifting, as we know, is hard on things. Yeah. But yeah. I want to say the flip side is I wonder if it's their drift car, if that's what it's for, I have a suspicion that you actually might drive the car in more situations than any of those drifters do. Because you take it in a yeah. normal life situation. You take it down back roads. You have, you have adapted yourself to right-hand drive on American roads in a way that drifting doesn't require. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've even established a different skill set than a lot of the drifters. I think if you're in a situation where you understand the caveats of when people are talking about track parts versus street parts and you can see that coming, then you're in a perfectly fine place. If you didn't drive your car, I think you'd be in a weird place with the other people in the forum. But what I like about it is you brought it back to be some level of fun daily. You can just stand on that and defend it. And I, I think to Paul's point, it might be interesting, see if you could go out a ring to people that like JDM cars, but not just your JDM car, to see if you can find people that use them in more broad, versatile ways than the folks that are just drifting. I think you'll find a similar minded community and a similar group of people that are very accessible because we all, we all drive right-hand drive JDM cars, but you might get into That's people that have got, yeah. you know, I've got a Delica, which I off-road and I put on the street. You know what I mean? It's like you might cool. I can't relate. <laughs> well, but, but, but I think, I think there'll be some interesting things you can connect with those people because you, you have the ability to talk to, I mean, somebody with a cappuccino might do autocross, might drive it around the streets, but they're not setting that up as a drift car. Mm-hmm. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that community might help you as well. There's also nothing wrong with being the oddball. We've talked to the people that are race drivers that only track their Corvette. The ability for them to connect with the folks that only have a Corvette to drive occasionally slowly to play golf. There's not a lot of connective tissue that's there. That's true, and that's a huge community so, of just Corvette owners. It exists, yeah. and I, here I have one of the higher-mile Lotus Elises I've discovered, and I know people that drive their Elise occasionally to Cars and Coffee, mm. which I'm not that. And I know people that drive their Elise only on track. I'm not that either. Mm-hmm. But we can mm-hmm. all agree that the Elise is cool. So I think work on the commonalities and maybe find a larger JDM community because you're not weird. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have a different approach, and it's fully valid because you're driving the car. 
It's interesting. There's some clubs that say they welcome all cars on track, but sometimes that's not really true. Mm-hmm. They still want to know mm-hmm. what you're driving. And, the, you know, ultimately it's under the banner of safety. It's yep. under the banner of, okay, yep. we just want to make sure your car is new enough and it's still going to be okay on track and it's not just going to leave yeah. a bunch of fluids yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. But they're still looking at what you brought. If truly, mm. you know, you could bring a 40-year-old car, you could bring a 20-year-old sure, car yeah. of a crazy different make and they wouldn't care. So that's not all clubs. And like I said, it's hard to find, but you can find various clubs that are all about driving first mm-hmm. rather than the cars because – like a 928 club, as an example, everybody there is focused on just making them run. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> There's a small subsegment of people that take their 928s racing. That's not what this car was ever designed to do. It's a GT car. It's can a high you speed imagine? GT car. Sorry, just based on your experience, can you imagine the breakage and consumption you would have if you were also tracking your 928 or taking on these road trips? It would be quite a bit higher. I would be spending yes. more money on different kinds of parts that are far more robust and can take the track days. Cool, but I have a Cayman for that. True. That's and true, yeah. there's other kinds of cars that are better at tracking anyway. But the 911 clubs, mm. Porsche Club mm. of America and other 911 clubs, there's so many different kinds of people in there focused on different kinds of things. You can race. You can autocross. You just want to tour the countryside and drink wine. I mean, not at the same time, but you know Ideally what I mean? Ideally not, yes. Look at castles and yeah, yeah. eat good food and that kind of thing. But that that's a huge range where it does seem like, okay, you don't want to drift. You just want to drive. Finding the people, somebody shows up with a Dodge Challenger, a mm. BMW M5, uh, there's a Miata in there, a Focus ST. Look, we just want to go find roads. Yeah, I don't care yeah. what you're in. That's the kind of people that I think you're looking for, Sean. Mm, interesting. We definitely support that, and we've even found on our Discord people are arranging drives, and yeah. the photos that come out of that, it's the most random assortment of cars. It's very cool. Which is so cool looking. I love to see that. Really appreciate your email, Sean. There's no easy answer here, really. No. It's a matter about connecting with people and going to car shows. And sometimes you got to show up at Cars and Coffee and find out, hey, people that know what that is, interesting. Hey, you should yeah. go on a drive with us. We're just yeah, yeah. a ragtag bunch of whoever. You know what I mean? But I wish you all the best with your search. If you've got a Topic Tuesday for us, like Sean's TV at gmail.com. Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun. And it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com, or navigate directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Justin's writing in from Kansas City with a car debate because he has to deal with the upcoming backwards car seat, the child seat for the infant, because his MOF is five months pregnant with what he has... Coined this term, the minister of time. Their first minister of time. I do like that because you're right. The minute that little one is born, they will be the dictator of how the day goes. You're That's a great term. I love it. Justin sold his 99 Miata because he couldn't get the baby seat to fit. 
No matter how much he tried, he loved the driving engagement and the mechanical feel of Miata, of course, but he acknowledges it was never a comfortable place for passengers and the wife can't drive a stick anyway. Mm. He's out in Kansas City and would prefer an all-wheel drive as winters get nasty. Currently in the stable is his stick shift 1998 Toyota 4Runner Mm. and his MOF's 2015 Ford Edge and a few motorcycles. He's looking for a more modern car that can act the Jekyll and Hyde part at a flip of the switch. Mm, Interesting. Okay. He'd like something with character, but not too boy racer-ish. He's looking at you, Civic Type R, he writes. That does not work for him, yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't. He's wanting to try something with more horsepower, but get this. He wants something European because he's always been a Japanese car kind of a guy, and he wants to try something new. Mm. I like it. You're stepping okay. out. Yeah, for sure. Span your horizons. That's good. The requirements include four doors, two pedals, all-wheel drive, safe, reliable, secure. Kansas City, Missouri apparently has a serious car theft problem. Wow, okay. Comfortable and quiet enough to not wake a sleeping baby, and fun enough that he doesn't feel like life is meaningless. Wow. <laughs> oh, by the way, under $30,000, he says not Where'd you Why would you think I would blow out the budget? There, Yeah, there clearly has been a podcast where 30000 became fifty two. so he is I, putting a, a note on that right there. <laughs> he has a 15-minute commute to work, mix of city and highway, occasional long highway trips, occasional windy roads, and he puts on about 15,000 miles a year. He doesn't mind changing tires and wheels with the seasons. He doesn't want to put a ton of miles on his forerunner because he's built it to not be his daily. So clearly that's an off-roader. Yeah, yeah very okay. much so. The cars he's currently considering and have mostly narrowed down to, unless he's missing something, include four cars, a 2013 or 2014 Mercedes E550 4Matic. And by the way, in parentheses, after all of these choices, he's looked up the insurance, the monthly insurance costs for that. all of that's these. That's very interesting. Okay. That insurance bill for him would be 130 bucks a month. Okay. Next one on the list is an Alpha Julia TI Q4. Insurance is only $88 a month. It's pretty interesting how much lower that is. Okay. Yeah. First gen Panamera S4 insurance is $115 a month. So Still far, cheaper than the Mercedes. Mercedes is winning. And the last car on the list is a 2016 all the way to 2021 Golf R. Insurance is $78 a month. Interesting. He said he considered the Audi S7, but he just doesn't love the styling. He considered, you'll love this, Paul, a Maserati Ghibli <laughs> S Q4, but he's concerned about reliability. Why? How, how long, how many minutes were spent on consideration for that car? He said BMWs are not really his thing, and he's very, ho- he's very hopeful we can help him. So, Justin, what do we think here? Well, Justin, European doesn't have to mean German. And I know you know that based on your list, and I believe that I have the car for you. I do have a wild card, something else to consider, but I believe I've, I've found it. It is a 2019 and newer Volvo S60 T5 in all the flavors, whether mm. it's Platinums or Dynamics or Momentums. Okay. They're all about 30 grand. Yeah, fair. Weirdly, fair, fair. the miles vary, the years vary, but you want to get 2019 and newer because the styling changed. The car got mm. far better, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. They're cool. They're cool looking enough to be interesting, but not flashy enough to be obnoxious. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah, it's like an enthusiast invisibility cloak. Look at you. I like this. It's yeah. like what you're wanting. Now, if you bump up your budget slightly, you knew it was coming. Just slightly, you might be able to find a 2020 T8 Inscription plug-in hybrid. That's the one with the 400 horsepower. 
they're about $40,000 used. Okay, yeah. But if you're keeping it long-term and you want a, f- a few lower miles and you like how it drives better and you feel like, I just, I really want that and it pushes me over the edge, I feel like it does justify paying more. It's no money. You won't feel in your monthly payment at all. It's just a few dollars more per month. But I feel like that car impressed Todd and I so much. Go mm-hmm. back to our test drive channel. We drove that two or three years ago now. Can't believe yeah, time it flies. Goes fast, yeah. We couldn't believe how good that car was. The seats were excellent and the interior was perfectly executed. It was awesome. It yeah. was delightful to sit there and be in that space, which fifteen thousand miles a year mean you're putting on some miles plus mm-hmm. road trips. But then it could smoke everybody at the light. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It also handled well. It was really actually interesting to drive. It was fun to drive. It was sort of this hidden gem. You felt mm-hmm. like you discovered something nobody else knew about when you're driving this car. Now, the nomenclature for Volvos and their sedans, well, all of their cars, has changed since 2019. And may change again. It's like it's, it's, it's <laughs> like it's a ticking clock over those name badges. That's true. They practically vanish and reset themselves. That's <laughs> true. The styling has remained the same with a couple of additional models that have been introduced since then, but the S60 is the same body style. And so, like I said, 2019 was the first year for that car. I think it's beautiful, but it doesn't stand out and say flashy, obnoxious, mm-hmm. I just bought it because of the badge on the hood. It's like only you know about how good it drives mm, and how good okay. it is to All sit right. in the interior. Now, there is one more car on my list. It's a bit out there. It is also a Mercedes-Benz. You mentioned that E-Class, but what about a 2018 AMG C43, their all-wheel drive, mm. found one with 39,000 miles on it for $39,000. Okay. Very classy. Yeah, very cool. Very good to drive. Excellent. The one I found was in white, so don't get white, but still. I really like the C-Class. And again, I'm justifying more dollars for you if you're thinking about keeping it longer. If you're going to rotate through cars, I wouldn't suggest a European car because Mm. I feel like they, even in this crazy market, they will depreciate sooner. Mm. If you're going to rotate through cars, go look at Acura, TLXs, and things like that. Cool, awesome sedans. But you said you want specific European cars. And you said you're not into the BMW thing, so great. You've got two, I think, excellent choices. If you don't feel like you need the power or want the power or want to pay the money, you can just get right into a Momentum, T5 Momentum. Interesting. T5. Okay, all right. Justin, uh, first off, um, Kansas City. Uh, we live in Park City, Utah. There's a lot of snow here. I've been to Kansas City. I have parents and friends from Kansas, from Kansas City area. I understand that you get weather. There is no weather in the Kansas area that you can't solve with tires. True. True. It's not like here's not a lot our of big up there. icy mountain pass. That's not happening. So I, I don't think, in spite of what you said, I do not think all-wheel drive is required. I just don't. So tires, 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 my friend. Full-on winter tires. If you get ice and you say to me, I've got a lot of ice, then do studded tires. Most of the time, you don't even need studded tires anymore because normal winter tires are so good, they even deal with ice a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Depends on your situation, but I don't think all-wheel drive is required. So I'm putting that out there. Fair enough. I understand your, your desires for it, Fair but enough. let me speak to the fact that you're coming out of a Miata, which you loved. You want that Miata fun. Mm-hmm. You'd like more horsepower and more usability. Those are the key things that struck me here. I want to talk about what you brought up. Uh, the Mercedes, I'm fine with. I think, actually, Paul's C-Class is a little bit more interesting. The Golf R, I think you're going to find it disappointing. 
And I say that because you're coming out of a really well-balanced Miata. Mm-hmm. rear-wheel drive. You're mm-hmm. going to jump to a Golf R, which, yes, technically is all-wheel drive, but it has a Haldex system, which essentially means the car slips and needs back, and then it engages. It acts like a front-wheel drive car everywhere it goes so until I, it needs it. I don't think yeah. that you're going to find that engaging enough. The first-gen Panamera, I think, is fascinating for you. I actually love that car for you, except for the $30,000 budget. Because at that budget, you're going to be dealing in an older, high-mile version of the car, and possibly it's probably going to have old. a feed me complex where ah, it's just, yeah. I need this now. I think you would like driving it. I think it would do everything you need it to do. I'm just worried about the mileage on that car and the care and feeding. Mm-hmm. So that's my concern for the Panamera, even though I think you would love it. You're going to not be surprised to hear that my favorite of the ones you brought up is actually that Alpha. I think you'd love that car. I think you'd be surprised by it. I think dynamically what you're going for is achieved best in the Alpha. Agreed to that, yeah. Even if you get the all-wheel drive, I think you'll be very surprised by the steering. I think it'd be a fantastic little family car. Your insurance is cheaper, which is a surprise. So I think that's really cool. I have to bring up two others. Okay. The first one I don't love as much. The second one I like a lot. Because the one thing you said here is you want the rear-wheel drive dynamics, even if you get it all-wheel drive. And I don't think you have to. I'm putting it out there again. Tires, tires, tires. There's that. You want more horsepower, four doors, lots of usable space. You don't want it to be Japanese. The U.S. makes cars, too. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. The U.S. does make cars, okay? And so does Korea, for that matter. They do. Okay? So you could actually shop the Genesis G70. I think you'd be surprised by that. Now, that has a little bit smaller back seat than the Alpha. You need to check on the uh, accommodations for the trash can-sized rear-facing car seat. So check on that. But the G70 is interesting. I don't want to forget the Charger. No kidding. Why not? No kidding. Big all-wheel drive charger. Because now, if we're going to leave the Miata land, let's go all the way away. Let's leave. Then. Let's just get powerful all-wheel drive well, if you want. I think you could do that. rear-wheel drive, but you could do a charger. And then I have to say it. I was thrilled to see that these are in your budget. You could get, Justin, an automatic, because you want an automatic, Chevy SS. The manuals are going for like 45 50 grand, but the autos are running right around thirty. <laughs> And I think short of the Alpha, this is the car that's going to give you the dynamics you're hoping for, which is good rear-wheel drive, fun driving dynamics with more power. Now, that is a rear-wheel drive chassis. Guess what? I'm going to come back around to tires. But you could get an automatic Chevy SS, which doesn't have any boy racer tendencies at all. In fact, people are going to think it's a Malibu, and you will be grinning from ear to ear. That's a fantastic dad car, and it's in your budget because you want the auto. Justin, on the bright side of owning a Charger... Potential car thieves might think it's a cop car and might that's avoid true. it. So if, if you're really concerned, if you're charging along behind somebody, play, that's good. I like it. <laughs> because you'll kind of freak people out. You've definitely got choices there. Really appreciate your riding. I do like all four of your choices. I do think that Alpha is, dynamically speaking, the best choice of all those cars. But you're going to have to figure out how long you're going to want to keep the car. Yep. You've got some driving homework to do because we talk about the steering feel, the driving inputs, and the ride quality for all these cars. But what appeals to you the most? I think we've got mm-hmm. some great choices for you. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Grios has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray-on car wash kit from Grios Garage. They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside or you're an apartment dweller or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. 
These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. On Facebook, we have a lot of great questions, thank you as always, but on Facebook, this is a question directly related to the picture we posted for questions today, which was of the Volvo C40. So Gearbox Review says, how many times getting in and out does it take to get used to not having a start button? You just walked in Warning, and asked me to there's rant. A, there's a rant coming from yes. Todd in the video. Don't yes. worry. I will come back to this and rant a bit in the video. Uh, we'll try to cut it down. But the big thing for me is, why are we annoyed by turning something on? Why is turning an actual device on and off an annoyance to people? It's so old school. I just, when I need it, I will turn it on. It's when I don't so need it, I will icky. turn it off. Why do you have to deal with I, that? But apparently in electric cars, we're supposed to just walk in and drive and not worry about pesky things like, I'd like to operate this now. Andrew Spratt and his wife are looking to buy a new Mazda CX-5. How can he talk her into stepping up to the more powerful turbo engine? She points out that it's more expensive, less fuel efficient, and has more power than they need. <laughs> How much so do you need? How do we know? This? Is there a chart somewhere? Yeah. What okay. does that Venn di- diagram look uh-huh. like? Yeah, for sure. So far, Andrew's standard comeback is, but it's cooler, and that just doesn't seem to fly. Hmm. My question to you, Andrew, have you driven it yet? Agreed. Have you driven both versions? Back to back, if possible. Yes. But if you haven't driven it yet, it seems like, sure, that just has too much power. But there is an upside to power. And that is being able to get out of a situation that you might not otherwise be able to avoid. Mm -hmm. If you've got two big semis closing in on on you and you need to get out of the way and the only option is power. The problem is I've seen people break. They've decided to break, which is very dangerous. It backs up traffic behind them. Mm they weren't anticipating or observing and, and seeing the pieces come together when they could have gotten on the power and gotten around. Mm-hmm. It's like people are just afraid to break the speed limit for just the slightest moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating it, but I am when it gets you out of an emergency. Sure. And if a sure. cop pulls you over, you can be honest and say, you know what? I will take a ticket rather than being smashed by a semi into the guardrail. This is a, give me the ticket. <laughs> this is how I have to drive the Lotus. The Lotus is all offense. Because there yes. is no defense in that car. My job to keep myself safe and actually with visibility is to get around everyone. Because I can't yes. hang out behind people because I'm just too little. I mean, here's the other thought that I've had, Andrew, especially driving a 928. If I'm behind a truck that's throwing rocks, mm. I'll put it down to get around the truck. Sure. Because I guarantee you a speeding ticket costs less plus driver school than a new windshield for that car. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about so that. So if, if dollars to dollars, all things being equal, I'll go faster and I'll get around that truck. Now, in the case of power, think about your future uses with that vehicle. It's not just you and the car alone punching it from the stoplight, and you don't have to floor it everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Sure, it might be slightly less fuel efficient, but fully loaded with family up a hill in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. You don't ever want to say, gosh, I'd wish we'd gotten the one with more power. That is the problem. And there's so much more torque in the turbo Mm -hmm. that I think if you drive them both, here's the other thing you have to think about. Yes, the numbers are bigger on the turbo model. Yes, the price is more. Yes, the miles per gallon is a little bit less. It's not catastrophically less, but it's a little bit less. However, 
it's not like that car suddenly became a whoa, this is powerful. Mm-hmm. It has it yeah. has a satisfying amount of power, but not a. And we aren't massive horsepower at all cost guys. We've talked about that a no, million times on this no, podcast. No, not necessarily. No, but it is it is a satisfying amount of power, especially the torque, which is that get out of the way torque, which is good. I think if you drive them back to back. Like, honestly, you mm-hmm. and your wife, drive them back to back. Mm-hmm. I think you'll get the turbo because, to Paul's point, loaded down, what's that Mazda going to feel like? And I think you're going to prefer it with the turbo. Andrew, my last point is to apply finances. If none of oh, that works. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. This is weird, especially coming from me. Mm-hmm. But if none of those arguments work, apply boat thinking. When okay. you buy the boat, you think about the day you're going to sell it. <laughs> Nobody does that with cars. When you buy a car, you're getting your new car. It's my new car. That's I can't funny. wait to drive my new car. You're not thinking about the day it goes away. And you're not thinking about resale value. I'll bet you the turbo will be more in demand and have a slightly higher resale value years from now when you decide to sell it. True, true. Than buying the underpowered, less loaded, less appealing model now. True. I mean, we've also, I, I will admit, many of you are probably shaking your phone right now because we've also said on this podcast, do not buy for when you're going to sell it. But Paul, but at the same point, I, I do agree with what you're saying here. That is a factor. <laughs> I want you to have the turbo. We do. We, we're just I, trying I really to really do. I'm trying to justify yeah, it. We're trying to get there. Yeah, I admit it's good. fully. Gary, the cycling nerd, is saying he needs a winter commute car for five to $8,000. Please convince him not to buy a Mini because he loves the quirky car, and I had a good experience. He's t- talking specifically to me and Spot the Mini. He wants it to run in spite of him. The first-gen Mini that I had, the R53, if memory serves, okay, okay, that had the supercharger and not the turbocharger. The problem is it's old now. Those cars are, I mean, like 06 and before, okay? So they're old now. So what's the maintenance that's been done to the car? The one that I had was the best maintained Mini on the planet. It had just had the supercharger rebuilt. The superchargers are known to leak. But that gen, in spite of being old, is probably, I'm, I'm extrapolating, probably twice as reliable and genuinely potentially reliable compared to the second gen when they went to turbos and pretty much everybody that had one had a horrible experience. The minis have come back around over time and are better than they were in that second gen, but that second gen with the turbos was notoriously unreliable. So if you're going to look at a mini, you've got to look at the very early ones, but now you've got age and miles. So be con- be concerned there. I think you need to look at a uh, Honda Fit with a six-speed. Oh, Not a super fun car, but okay. a fun car, a decent car for what you want to do. Also, what are, how, how cheap are the current-gen Corollas now? They're not in five to eight, but I'm wondering if they're as low as like 10, 15. I don't know. I'm thinking about that. Also, winter commute car. Could you find a Fiat 500, a BART? Could you find a Fiesta ST? I mean, now we're really talking fun. Good choices. If you yeah, can get yeah. there for the money, that would be really cool. I bet you the BART is close. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. And that's a lot I'll newer that, than that yeah. Mini's going to be, even though, you know what, man? The Mini was fun. Just make sure it's really well maintained. <laughs> Find your buyer. Yes, I don't, he know, I don't know how he's cars? selling anymore. He the the amount of care. One hundred eighty thousand miles. That car was spotless when I bought it. Like Q tips in the supercharger kind of. and you know cleaning everything out. He literally told me he put it up on the lift for winter, took the supercharger off, and at nights when he was watching TV, he was cleaning the supercharger. That's how he spent his winter. Which is why, when I heard that story, besides the fact that I was standing on the world's most spotless garage, that story combined with the spotless garage was like, I must buy this car. I'll I'll pay more than you're asking. I need this Mini. 
yeah. suddenly I don't feel anal. I feel carefree. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, I have nothing else going on. Yeah. <laughs> on Facebook, Jared R. Byer asks if there's any vehicles coming up in the next year. Either of us are looking forward to driving. Yes, for sure. Top of my list is the C8 Corvette Z06. Mm. But I want to spend time with it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just do a few laps around the track or yeah, I want yeah. to spend some time with it. Low speeds, high speeds, interested in the Hummer EV actually, despite okay. the positive and negative press on that. Sure. With sure. various YouTubers jumping and crashing them. I'd like to drive it. The Lotus EV actually intrigues me. So does the Amira, the Electra as well as the Amira. Electra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Dodge Charger Daytona SRT EV, even though it's from this recording a couple of years away, I'm intrigued by that thing. Yeah, the new Mustang will be interesting, too. The new Mustang's on my list. The BMW M2, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, this is a weird one, the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Yeah, the Buzz van. I can see I just, that. I kind of yeah, want to drive it. it. Not for me, but for everybody seeing it. I want to know how sure. people connect to it. Because sure. it seems like everybody's got a story about the old bus, the yeah, old Volkswagen true. bus. And what is this going to do to people's reactions? Are you going to be happy? Are you going to be horrified? It's like, oh my gosh, you well, did the thing again or what? Catastrophically underpowered. So an electric drivetrain can only help that. <laughs> 10 more horsepower would have helped the old one, but Pretty still. Much, yeah. uh, Jorge is writing in on Instagram and he's putting me right in the middle of the crosshairs with this question, but I, I suppose I didn't have to answer it, but I'm going to anyway. He said he doesn't enjoy his wife's Macan, but he respects its performance, especially in sweepers. What car do we respect the most, but still wouldn't care to own? Mm. I thought of two. Mm. Two cars that every time I drive them, I think, wow, that's incredible what that car can do, what they're offering for the money. The car that they have made is incredibly impressive, and I just don't care. I'm incredibly, I, I res- mm. couldn't respect it more. Mm. Okay. Just don't, it, it doesn't excite me at all. One is the GTR. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I'm incredibly impressed. The other is the 911 starting with the 991 when they got big. Okay. I, I Look, we've driven the 911 in every possible variant I can think of. It impresses me like crazy. We've driven it on track. We've driven it on roads. We've driven it in bad weather. I just don't care. Mm. Couldn't be more impressed. Wouldn't buy one. Hmm. Interesting. Which, by the way, some some person out there is now claiming I'm not a car journalist because every car journalist is supposed to just aspire to <laughs> own a 911, just so you know. Waleed Z asks, what is the best electric vehicle on the market right now that qualifies for the new electric vehicle rebate rules? I was going to suggest Genesis TV60, but then I realized that doesn't qualify under the rules, I don't believe. I don't know I, I haven't fully read every, yeah. every bit on that. Uh, I'd like to explore that a bit more. But the thing is... From here on out, every car company now has read the rules and are shifting their business model and their plans to be able to qualify somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's not just, and I know you're asking right now, Waleed, but. Well, and some states have different extra things that are tacked on. I mean, it's, I hate to say this, but that's not the reason to buy an electric car. It's, it's gravy, but it's certainly not the reason to do it. I'm going with Mach-E at this point. We oh, okay. like the Mach-E, so yeah. I'm going with that. And not the GT. I just take a straight up Mach-E. I think so too. That's yeah. good. MD Schwering actually asks on Instagram something, I hate to say it, but we're not supposed to talk about this. We're just not. He's recently noticed that the high output four cylinders, Civic Type R, Elantra N, etc., seem to have very similar miles per gallon rating to turbo six cylinders. What's that about? They all Hmm. seem to be running around 21 city and 30 highway. How is it the six cylinder engines are so close to the fours? 
even on heavier cars. You know, I want to bring this up from when it when Ford first went from V8s in F-150s mm-hmm. to the EcoBoost six-cylinder. And okay. the discussion was, you're gonna the miles per gallon is going to be so much better. Yeah. And then people yeah. started buying them, using them for truck things, towing with them. Guess what? If you need this amount of output out of the vehicle, it's going to burn the same amount of gas as having a bigger engine. <laughs> this is the thing we're not supposed to talk about. But what happens is that the turbo engines, they've been cranked up to get so much great power when you're really on them, but they're also tuned in such a way that the way that they're normally run in testing suggests better gas mileage. But then when you need to make them hammer and the car still weighs 3,500 pounds, mm-hmm. whether it's a V6 or a four-cylinder under the hood, this is the amount of power required to make it do that. It burns gas. Geese1RBM says, how much do you think enthusiasts matter to the automotive industry these days? Mm. While we have some great enthusiast car na- cars nowadays, it seems like the market is shrinking each year as we continue to march towards autonomy and electrification. Todd and I were just talking about autonomy today. Yeah. And yeah. observing that back in 2017, 2018, autonomy was all the rage. It was going to be here like next year. Nobody wasn't talking about autonomy. Everyone was going to have it. Elon was leading the charge of robo-taxis, which uh-huh. didn't happen. And then everybody else was right behind him with, here's all the cars we're going to have. Volvo was talking about it. Our fleet is going to be autonomous. Give us a year or two. Everybody. Yeah, yeah that has kind of disappeared. Yep. In my opinion, it's all but disappeared because people have figured out it's really hard. Yes. It was disappointing to me that James Dyson abandoned his uh, car project, Mm. his EV SUV project. Of anybody that could have done something different to shake up the market, I believe it was him because of how he thinks. Totally out of the box. I really appreciate that. And the fact that he abandoned, we're not even talking autonomy. Yeah. We're talking EV to build it and build it at scale and offer it for a decent, somewhat affordable price to most people. Mm Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it. The, the the financial outgo was too horrifying, and he had to cut it off. He didn't have a cash fire like Elon has. He didn't. He didn't have investor cash money, but You're still, right. he was using his own money and company mm-hmm. money, and I think he did still have some investors. But still, after $600 million, and he threw in the towel, mm. that's amazing to me. But what you have to keep in mind is that at every car company, there are also enthusiasts. True. It's not like True. we look at the automotive industry as just... Business people who don't care about cars and it's toasters, mm. toilets, it's just products. <laughs> Nobody cares. Just right. crank them out, make money. Yeah, you're right. There There's are a, people there in every segment of mm. all of uh, all of the automotive industry, from people working in the factory, people in the business and finance, in the yeah, corporate yeah, yeah. towers, people designing the cars. Everybody and there's there's enthusiasts in you're practically right. Right. every corner yeah. of the automotive industry, and probably more so because. Why did you get into the automotive industry if you don't care about it? If that doesn't yeah, interest you in yeah. any way, maybe it's manufacturing and you're, you know, well, I mean, there's a, a bit more crossover now because we're seeing a lot of software people who might not care about cars, but they have a problem to solve and they enjoy doing so fair enough. But you have to remember there's car people everywhere inside the automotive industry yeah, yeah. that want cool cars, despite what it feels like the March you're talking about geese one. Mm. I think that will always be the driver. And I think enthusiasts matter now more than ever because of social media, because of YouTube. Car manufacturers are so looking closely at responses to models. Mm-hmm. There's the, the cycle is so much faster. Focus groups are obsolete. 
Mm, they do not point. matter. Who cares? That's a tiny slice and it's controlled. And you want to see some real responses to your cars? Go look at YouTube comments. Mm. Then you'll kind of get an idea of what your new model, if it was a hit or a miss. Watch what happened when uh, Nissan released the concept version of the Z car a year before they dropped it. Yeah. Talk about general consensus commentary. It was out there for sure. And whether they made changes, whether they didn't, whether it affected future changes, maybe they said, you know what? We can't implement any of those ideas. Man, great ideas. We should have done blank manual transmission on the Supra from the beginning. But still, maybe people said, you know what? There is a market to this. Hey, you know what? Marketing people, check this out. I think we have a business case here based mm. on response. And that's what people are looking at from car companies. They're looking to hear that at car shows. But social media and YouTube have changed all that because it's instant. Yeah, yeah. They can get those opinions instantaneously, which definitely affects that. And enthusiasts have shown that auctions are still popular. I mean, the crazy auctions. You're right. Yeah. There isn't somebody who works at a car company that isn't aware of bring a trailer and the bring a trailer effect on cars. True, true. And now building cars, Toyota's doing this too now. Like Porsche has, Porsche knows that they can build a model and sell out and those cars will just increase in value from, yeah. from yeah, new. Yeah. Toyota's doing that too now. That's true. GR anything. Yeah, good point. It adds value to cars. I'll bet you there's car companies that are looking around and thinking, could we build a model like that? Could we build something that would be in such high demand mm. that mm. you have to fill out a form pleading with us your eligibility to buy one? Craziness. No longer is it, hey, we've got them for sale. Please come. Here We're selling apples yeah. here. Yeah. Would you like to buy some apples? No, no, no. We have some products and we know there's so much demand for it. Please fill out this application and we will deem you worthy. You know, you're, you're reminding me of something going on here locally. That is that every car that goes through that cycle of hyper demand, there's a backside of that curve where they're just available. And I'm thinking about it because we are not in a big city. Mm -hmm. Park City only has a couple of car dealers in our area. Yeah. Yep. We have a local Ford dealer. I'm going to blow this up as a result. But anyway, <laughs> we have a local Ford dealer that currently has five Broncos on the lot. Uh-huh. Various specs, various paint jobs, five of them. Not like, oh, these just came in off the truck they're spoken for. No, they've been there for weeks. Yeah. People that bought the Bronco yeah. on the front side and have now unloaded it. The Bronco was on already on the back side of the cycle. But boy, when it came out, it was the only thing we talked about. And now our local tiny dealer has five. That's a great example. They've been sitting there for a while, too. Yes. But they have a few miles on them. And you called it earlier. We were actually talking... It was before they came out. You said, I think people are going to get their Bronco and it's not going to be the vehicle they think it is because it yeah. won't drive like most SUVs. Mm -hmm. It's a hulking monster in it's a, any trim it's level. It's good, but it's big. You bought it for the reason you want to go off road. You want to go camping. You want to jump the thing. You want to do yeah. stuff with it, not just putter around town. And people who did that probably traded it in because it does not drive like they think it would. That's a good point. Yeah. So yes, enthusiasts matter even more now than ever before because what are the cars that sell out so quickly mm. the bronco the z06 corvette yeah that have huge waiting lists mm. they're those special models that sports cars or off-roaders they're these pinnacle kinds you're of right, cars right. they're expensive and i can't wait to buy one everybody's doing it now so enthusiasts matter Richard's writing in and saying the best transmission for car control in snow and ice. 
He said, if it's slippery and you need to get started or stop or go up and down hills or, or, or whatever you're having to do driving wise, and it is slippery and snowy out, is it best to have a manual, an auto, an auto that listens to paddles, so probably like a PDK or a CVT? Uh, this is anecdotal, and I'm going to go entirely by my own experience, but I am going to say manual every single time because you don't just have a gear to select. You have a catch point on the clutch to select. Mm. Mm-hmm. No other transmission offers that opportunity where you can actually just feather in first gear or feather in second to get you going on something really slick in a way that any other transmission is either it's doing it or it's not. Now, a standard auto with a torque converter has some give to it as well. I actually would think that paddles would be a little harder because it's like, okay, you've got a gear now. Sure. I think a torque converter automatic would be right behind a manual. You don't have control of the ease in, but at least it eases in. I think the CVT would be worst. But I'm going to say manual because that's been my experience. When I have a manual car in the snow, I can tell what the tires are doing better than any other transmission. A couple last questions for me. First from Crash Test 01, who asks if aliens land tomorrow, take over the human race, and allow us to only have one car manufacturer, which one should that be? They already have. Haven't you been paying attention? Mm. It's Stellantis, the Stellantarians. You're right. The Stellantarians are here. They're here to kill They've us all or just make us all dressed up. All the brands. They've got like 16 brands, and that's the car company that already did. But no, I disagree with that. It is Porsche, of course. Uh, no one's because surprised. Because they have the 911 Dakar, which leads me to damn it, Patton's question. I wonder question, if you'd go there off of that. Good job. Who asks if we'd be open to reviewing lifted cars with all of the latest Safari trends. He would be curious to see our thoughts on something like a lifted Miata. Yes, but only if they're OEM from the factory. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, I am, but only if they're made that way. Lamborghini's doing it now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only if it comes that way from the manufacturer, because lifted means what? Mm. You put a Mustang on a Chevy truck chassis, you raise the Miata a couple inches on your suspension, or, oh, the 911 Dakar, any lifted, whatever, sure. Bronco Raptor R, sure, yes. That's interesting. I, I would be broader on that, damn it, Patton, but I think for me, the key thing is I don't want to do an on-road review of that. And no. we've talked about it before. Maybe and the, partially. What I would want to do is like a big throwdown off-road road trip. Mm-hmm. There's ways to actually do all of Utah and never touch pavement. That interests me for a lifted car. Agreed to I that. would yeah. do that story because I don't think, okay, we're going to take it down a fire road or whatever. If you're going to give me that car that is like that, let's throw it into something crazy and see how it does over time. Really appreciate all your questions. Thank you, guys. We are always looking forward to next time. But please be sure to catch our Formula One piece coming yes. out. Those were cars from Griot's Garage. They gave us those cars. They were incredibly generous. Yeah. We consider them friends, and we really appreciate it. We drove a 1978 Formula One car, a Formula Atlantic, and a Formula Ford all in the same day. Incredible day. Oh, Incre- and I was thinking about the fact that I don't even think that most people that are F1 drivers have done back-to-back same day. That's a because good point. why would they? That's true. You know what I mean? But you and I essentially did the progression from we just climbed out of carts. Let's get to F1. Let's do it today. <laughs> Insane. Can't wait to share the piece with you. Catch it on our main YouTube channel and let us know. Write us a note on uh, YouTube, we'd social media. Hear, yeah. Anyway, we'd love to hear what you think. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.